Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Daniel. Um, and didn't Daniel do a great job last week on the book of Acts? Are you enjoying reading through the Bible, going through? If this is your first time with us, we're actually going through a series, book by book this year. Um, and we should finish Revelation. Could you get the book of Revelation just before Christmas? Uh, but today, we're, we're, we're going, as Daniel said, last week was Acts. This week, it's the book of Romans. We're moving forward. Um, and King's Church football team is moving forward too. They got promoted last season, if you remember. And um, we sacked the manager, Elvis. Elvis, stand up. Even though they got promoted, we sacked him because too many defensive errors. Too many defensive errors. Even though they won the league and they've been promoted to another league. King's Church football team promoted to another league. We got a new manager. And the last time we gave a result, it was 6-1. Yeah? Elvis, the, 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 the game. It was. It was against you. Yeah, it was 6-1 again. Yet, yesterday, they played another church called St. James's Church. And this is a higher league, remember. They played St. James's Church. Again, there were defensive errors. We're getting concerned about this because they let in not one goal, but two goals. With the defense needs working on. Um, by the way, Elvis, Elvis has now become, like typical of many sacked managers, he's now become uh, a pundit. <laughs> and you can, you can, if you're on Facebook, you can find King's Church KC football team, isn't it, or something. You can find it, and he does reports and video clips of a match. You can watch what's going on. Anyway, they let in two goals again. We really need to pray a lot for our defense. The attack they did fine because they scored seven goals. That's, they're, they're doing well. So it was a 7-2 win. Give them a round of applause. Uh, 7-2. That means they've scored 13 goals in the last two games, but let in three. The, the defense, we, 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 you know, the manager's line is on the job. His, his manager's job is on the line. It's going to be a good morning. Um, Okay, so we're reading our Bibles. Just back to the Bible. We're reading our Bibles. We're loving reading our Bibles. Just encourage us, you know, keep on. Some of you picked up those reading the Bible through in a year schemes at the start of the year. Let's keep on reading through our Bible. Um, I want to say I was chatting with Nicky Gumbel of Holy Trinity Blompton and Alpha Fame on Thursday, but that wasn't quite true. He was on the screen and I was with 30 other leaders uh, uh, with a Skype conversation with Nicky Gumbel who introduced Alpha and set up Alpha course. But he was talking and he was saying how in Holy Trinity Brompton that, that, that he, was, he was on his 82nd Alpha in a row. And uh, he he'd sort of started off by, he invented the course, led it, and then he became like a, a leader in one of the small groups. And now he's just, he's just a helper in one of the groups. <laughs> and turned it, but somebody asked him the question, is it still going well? And he said, yeah, there were 800 people, unchurched people, 800 people queuing around the building to get in. And average age, 27, uh, in Kensington, South London, just queuing in to do an Alpha course. There's interest in the gospel at the moment. There's real interest in the gospel. And we must never think, don't believe the media lies that make out that people aren't interested in the gospel. Um, Evangelical Alliance commissioned a survey, a questionnaire to be done. People are interested in the gospel. The people you bump into, your unsaved relatives, your, the, the, the people you sit next to on the bus, they are interested in the gospel. I had a conversation, I had my hair cut on Thursday, conversation with the barber, I brought up a Catholic, believed heaven was above, hell below, and then realized that can't possibly be true. And I said, so what do you think now? He said, well, and I read another book by Stephen Hawkins, and he's saying that, that God must be, there must be some creator behind it all. And I thought, wow, he's interested in the gospel. 
I'll book him again next time from the haircut. But, but people are interested. It's not difficult to have conversations. The book that we're going to look at today is a really important one because it's the book of Romans and it really answers the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel all about? Um, it's an interesting book because Paul wrote this book to Paul uh, in the order. We've got the books that Paul wrote, not in the order that they appear in the Bible, but in the order that they were actually written. Uh, can we see that slide? No, next one. There we go. Those are the order that the books were written in. And, and you can see Galatians was actually the first book he wrote. And Romans wasn't written in one of the middle books. So why do you say do we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and then Romans? Because what happens in the Bible, we put all of Paul's letters together. But we put them starting with the longest letter first. So if, if you look, you don't have to look at that. You look at your Bibles, you can see it starts Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippines, Colossians. Uh, and on it goes all the way to Philemon, all the pastoral uh, epistles and so on. And you get them. So you've got the different sections. You've got what we call the travel epistles that Paul wrote on his journeys. So Romans was written towards the end of Paul's third journey, missionary journey. Then we've got the prison epistles when Paul was in, in prison, and that's Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philipp, um, Philippians Philemon. Then you've got the pastoral ep- uh, uh, epistles that were written upon his release, and then during his second term in prison to Timothy. And so, interestingly enough, Paul often wrote to churches which he had founded, but Rome, the church in Rome, when he wrote to them, he'd never even visited there. And you wonder, why was Paul wrote, writing in AD 57 to a church that he'd never visited? Well, it's interesting because the church in Rome, I think, is in some ways is a bit similar to King's Church Central site because it was a church that was comprised of different cultures. And the church in Rome had been founded probably by, we know from Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were visitors from Rome who were amongst the crowd that heard the people speaking in tongues, praising God, declaring the wonders of God in other languages. And we read in Acts chapter 2 that there were all sorts of people from all over the world, uh, but people who were there, including visitors from Rome. It's almost certain, undoubtedly, those visitors from Rome went back, having heard Peter preach that anointed message on the day of Pentecost, transformed and changed, as Daniel pointed out last week, by the person and power of God, the Holy Spirit, coming in him. Peter, who denied Christ just those uh, weeks earlier, here he is on the day of Pentecost, preaching the gospel, 3,000 people added to the church, including, undoubtedly, I believe, visitors from Rome. And those visitors from Rome, just as we've got visitors today, we've got Simon from Switzerland, we've got Benjamin from France who I've spoken to, we've got Holly from Germany. There's people from all over the world here today. There's people from, you know, and you think of your nationality, 40 nationalities we counted last time we did it. But people from all over the world were there on the day of Pentecost, but not 300, however many in this room now, but but 3,000 went back. They went back and started the church in Rome, but they would have been Jewish believers who'd been transformed and changed on hearing the gospel. They went back to Rome, and living in Rome when they went back, people estimate there were around about 40,000 Jewish people living in Rome. They would spread the gospel message, probably first and foremost amongst the people who were of the similar culture to themselves. That just happens. And that's who were the friendships were with and so on. And so the gospel grew, the church grew, and many were added to the church in Rome. This is before Paul hadn't visited. And then 
40,000, but they reckon Rome, the population of Rome as a whole would have been around about a million people. So you've got it, 40,000 Jews, a million people, but there'd have been a rich uh, harvest, people they could evangelize in Rome because they understood the gospel was for everyone, but it wasn't just for Jewish believers. And so the church in Rome grew and soon you had Jewish believers and Greek believers and, and others and you know, Roman citizens as well, all living in Rome together. Then the emperor Claudius, um, and you can read about this in history, in AD, um, uh, AD, around about AD 50, he expelled all the Jewish believers, all the Jews actually, from Rome and expelled a lot of them. And he was worried about them, got, he thought he was becoming a god, you know what, they all went like the Roman emperors. But he expelled them all from Rome. They were away for at least four years, probably more than that, but they were away for at least four years. Claudius died and then another emperor, the emperor Nero, got into power and he said all these people could come back. So you imagine if you were in the church in Rome and you were a Jew, you'd got into, this is your church community, you love your church community, you help out with kids' work, you steward, you, you take up the offering, you, 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 you do things, you lead a connect group, you do stuff, you, you do USMM, you're part of a church community, you're embedded in this church community. Sometime then, Theresa May up the road suddenly makes a declaration, you've got to leave, we're expelling you, back to, back to Europe. <laughs> back to Africa, back to Indonesia, back to wherever it is you've come from, and you're suddenly gone. Then another leader comes in. Imagine what that's like for the people here. They carry on. Those that haven't been expelled carry on. And the habits start to form and ways of doing things start to form. But then Nero comes into power and he says, you can all come back now. So they all come, oh, I'm going back to my church community. They come back it's changed. Things are different. Back in the Roman time, in that time in Rome, in AD 57, what happened was that there was a, a big Jewish community came back who somehow believed that they were the better Christians because they were Jews. I mean, you read the Old Testament, all the promise to, to the Jewish nation. And some of them believed they were better somehow because they were Jews. Then you've got the Gentiles who'd still stayed in Rome who start look, looked at them and thought, well, actually, you know what? It's your people who rejected Christ. You rejected Jesus. So in some ways, we should have more say than you because we're a little bit better than you. And so there was a conflict going on in the church in Rome. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, even though he'd never visited that church, he stirred to write a letter to these people and say, you've got to understand what the gospel is. Because the gospel is about many people from different tribes, languages and nations all coming together to form under the lordship of the God of heaven and earth, under the lordship of Jesus, forming one people. We celebrated that, didn't we, when we had our International Sunday, you know, um, a couple of months ago. But, 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 but this was something, he wanted to make it clear, the gospel, it's one gospel for everyone. It's not a gospel for Jews and a gospel for Greeks. Yanni, are you listening? <laughs> I do know a little Greek. <laughs> His name is Yanni. No. It, 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 forget, for, sorry, Yanni. I've overdone that one. But... 
But the gospel is for everyone. And so if we can look, go back to the overview of the slide before. So Paul writes his letter to them. And uh, he wants them to understand. He sends the letter, by the way, with a woman called Phoebe to carry the letter. That's a really big responsibility and showed also just how much Paul was empowering women, I believe, at that time. Uh, but, but here he goes. And so he does his introduction. Uh, Paul does his introduction. And he says it's to all the saints. You're not, it, doesn't, it doesn't say it's to the Jews and to the Greeks and to the people from Ghana and Nigeria. No, he says it's to all the saints. You form a church community. Your identity is you are saints. And uh, he does his introduction. And in verse 17, he actually says, The gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Jews and Greeks and any other nationality. Uh, and then in chapter 1, 18 to verse Uh, chapter 2 29 he points out that in the past all of us all of us doesn't make any difference if you're Jew if you're Greek doesn't matter what we were all sinners and we all fell short of the glory of God that the law was given but we couldn't live up to the law and even if you didn't have the law because you were a Gentile you're without excuse because he's made it known through creation you can tell that God is there but you weren't looking for him we're therefore Every one of us in the same boat, we've fallen short and we've missed the glory of God. And then in chapter 4, going on, in chapter 4 and 5, he moves on and says, all are children of Abraham. All the Jews would say, we're children of Abraham. And he says, well, actually, no, everyone who has faith, we're children of Abraham. We have the same father in that. And we're all, Romans 6, he talks about water baptism and talks about what happens when we decide to follow Jesus. We're buried under the waters. We're brought up. We die with Christ. We rise to new life with him. That's a shared experience. Jews, Greeks, every single one of us. It's how we form one body. We're baptized into one body. Uh, and then... Romans 7, he says, where all of us are set free from the power of the law. You Jews who still think that law is any good for you, you know, it hasn't actually helped you. All it's done is lead you to Christ, he says elsewhere. But he says, what happens? It's like you're married you know, to, to, to a husband who, who doesn't help you, just tells you what's wrong all the time. You've not done this, you've not done that, and never lifts a finger to help, and you can't change it. You can marry to him because the law isn't going to die, so you can't get divorced. It's got to go on forever, this marriage. But he says, but what happens is when we, we can die, die and we can die to the law and be raised to that new life in Christ it's like we've got a second husband and we're married to Christ and we become those who are all together whether we're Jew or Greek married to Christ Romans 8 we're going to come to in a minute and in chapters 12 to 9 to 11 we're all together in the future Uh, and chapter 12 with how we can live in peace and then in chapter 16 he gives loads of personal messages to connect group leaders to all sorts of people uh, and just showing how much he really values the people he's met, the people he's heard of from the church in Rome. And he finishes with, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to read it. Read the book of Romans. Read the book of Romans. But Paul addresses, I believe, an issue in that Roman uh, church, in that Roman church community, uh, that people would have been anxious. People would have been troubled about what is happening to our church community what's going on is it too greek is it too uh is it too jewish or what's happening to our church community and i want to challenge us and say has this got anything to do with us today um 
back then where they were worried about the church. She said, Dave, actually, I love King's Church. I'm not worried at all. I want to challenge you, though. I believe the Holy Spirit, and this is what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to challenge me and challenge you about anxious thoughts that we let into our thinking, that come into our minds. Uh, you know, we often think someone's going to get me somehow soon. Uh, airplanes, they have mechanical faults and fall out the sky. I'm really anxious about flying on a plane. Terrorists blow people up. I'm scared. And uh, I'm definitely not going shopping at the Trafford Centre at Christmas. Um, you know, people who are good now can turn bad. I've had that happen to me. I was in a relationship. Don't you understand? Then I was abused. I'm never ever going to go into another relationship again. I don't trust anyone. Um, I've had good friends who've turned bad. I, 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 I don't want to form deep friendships. People hurt me. I'm staying back because what if it happened again? Uh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn could be the next prime minister. I'm really worried. <laughs> or perhaps some of you think actually Theresa May is the prime minister. I'm really worried. <laughs> um, you know, it can be A-level stress. It's, it's started already, and my exams aren't till June. I've just started a new course, but I've got A-level stress. I've got degree exam stress, and it's not till Christmas, the first exam, and I'm stressed out about it. What if, you know, I've got this condition. I found this situation in my body. I looked it up on Dr. Google, and Dr. Google says I've only got a couple of months to live, according to that. I, I, I'm tired. Uh, and it's actually reported in the papers this week that men who worry more, double their chances of getting cancer. I'm worried about worrying. (laughs) Um, What if that baby, Charles is downstairs, what if that baby we're expecting ends up growing up with crooked teeth, makes no friends, uh, and just becomes rejected by people because of a crooked teeth, and ends up failing at school because of a crooked teeth, and ends up holding a cardboard plaque, begging for money, saying, my parents never sent me to the orthodontist. I'm worried. What if that were to happen? Um, there's trouble out there. I don't sleep well. I don't laugh very often. When was the last time you whistled to yourself? Uh, when was the last time you just enjoyed feeling the sun on your face? Anxiety. It can be a hailstorm, a meteor shower of what ifs, what if, what if, what if, and I can become really anxious about life. Uh, and there's bad luck, there's unhappiness, it's lurking out there to get me. It's only a matter of time. And living in Manchester in 2017 can mean living each day. I go day by day with low grade fear. Uh, there's an edginess about me. There's a dread I, I have within my heart. And I believe there's a Damoclean sword hanging over my life that's going to fall any time. Spiritually, I'm anxious. Sin is still getting a hold of me. I, I mess up. I never change. I become critical. I become negative. I, I hurt people. I don't want to do it. I'm anxious about my spiritual state. I fall short of the glory of God. Here's the verses. Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. We're just going to read them together. Romans 8, 31 to 39. Anxiety. Roman church, anxiety about the state of the church. About us, it can be any of these things I've mentioned or anything else. But listen to this. And just let your anxious thoughts be overcome by the Spirit of God that's in the Word of God. Jesus said, my word is spirit. There's no difference between the Word of God and the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God just soak into your heart as you hear these words. Paul writes this, Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
all your anxious thoughts. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also graciously, along with him, give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ has died. More than that, he was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What incredible truth for Roman believers concerned about their church community. What incredible truth for you and I today. Whatever anxious thoughts might be trying to come into your mind this morning, last night, during this last week. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. I once met a man called Terry Waite. He'd spent five years, 87 to 91, in solitary confinement, blindfolded for four of those years in the Middle East. He was the special envoy of the Archbishop of Canterbury at that time and a hostage negotiator trying to get... There was breach of trust. He was taken himself hostage by Hezbollah. And one of the things that these groups do is, is they would take out some of the hostages from time to time, blindfolded, point a gun at their head... And then click the gun and there'd be the empty sound. The person with the blindfold on them. Can you imagine the relief that they felt when they realised that was not a loaded gun? But can you imagine how they felt when they had to go back into their cell knowing that the next thing could happen the next day. The same thing could happen the next day and the gun could be loaded. Uh, But there was that sense of relief. And Terry Waite talked about his sense of relief uh, when he was released. Four four years in solitary confinement, five years uh, with Hezbollah. Can you imagine, go back to a story in John's Gospel, a true story. John chapter 8. A woman had been caught in adultery. She knew she deserved to die. Self-righteous Pharisees dragged her out towards Jesus. Put her down in the ground. She was probably lying down. She'd keep her eyes closed, I'm sure. She'd be kneeling or lying down in the ground. And she knew that all of those men who dragged her there were carrying big rocks. And they were ready to stone her. And she knew, according to the law, she deserved to be stoned. Can you imagine how she felt... 
Can you imagine? Uh, she'd seen it happen before. She knew the first rock could, could maim her badly. And, uh, and she, she, she was expecting it to happen. She was expecting to feel the first rock come and then the second, then the third. And she knew it was a painful die. She'd seen it happen before to others. Uh, but now she looks up. And the men have all gone. Shamed by Jesus' challenge, let the one who is without sin throw the first stone. Rocks are lying on the ground where those men had been standing, but the men have gone. And, uh, you know, Jesus asks her, I'm sure with a wry smile on his face, where are the men who accused you? Where have they gone? Has no one condemned you? You see, the one man there who was without sin, who could have thrown a stone, then adds this. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I'm sure her life was changed forevermore by an encounter, not with the law, but by an encounter with the grace of God expressed through the one who fulfilled the law. Uh, Romans 8, 31 to 39. Can you imagine the relief that that woman felt? Can you imagine the relief that it must have felt like? Lisa, just as she was so wonderfully leading us in a time of worship, just brought that whole sense of freedom, of being set free. Can you imagine that sense of relief? I'm free. Paul writes these words about the love of God and says to us this morning, look around, where are the ones who are condemning you? Where are the ones who would criticize you? Where's that law? Where's that regulation that says you're guilty? Where is it? Where is it that the the, the condemnation coming from? You know, those anxious thoughts that tell you you're not good enough for God, that tell you you're too sinful to be a Christian, that tell you you're a hypocrite, you're too bad to be healed, you're too inconsistent to ever be used by God in any meaningful way. Who's saying these things to us? Look around, and as Romans 8, 31 to 39 soaks into your heart, look around and see there's no one there. Just stones. No one to throw them. Who is against us? No one. God, after all, has freely given his son Jesus. And if God gave Jesus, will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring the charge against any of us? No one. The judge has spoken. Not the judge in a Manchester Crown Court, but the judge of all the earth has made a legal declaration over every believer in this room and made this legal statement, you are not guilty. And the judge is not going to change his mind. He's not winking at our past sins. He, God himself has justified us and he's done it. He's justified himself in the way that he did it. It wasn't a cheap justification winking at our sin. The judge of all the earth has done right. Your sin has been dealt with at the cross of Jesus. And you are set free even as Daniel was encouraging you. Come with that. Bring it to the cross and no freedom from sinful addictions. Who will condemn us? No one. Jesus 
has died, has risen from the dead, and is now at the right hand of God, right now, the Bible says, interceding for us. He's not condemning us, he's praying for us. He's praying that you'll succeed. He's praying that you'll do well. He's on your side. We, before the throne of God above, I have a great high priest whose name is love. He ever lives to intercede for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? No one. Sure, many can try. Uh, But a a, a victory cheer. Uh, This is better news than Manchester United or Manchester City winning the, the, the premiership. Nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Uh, look at what Jesus has done this is the gospel news look at what he's still doing he's praying for you he's pouring out the person of God the Holy Spirit so that you can know his presence in your heart even though physically you don't see him he's pouring out the person of God the Holy Spirit so you can know the presence of God the Father in your heart And God the Holy Spirit has been poured out by the person of Jesus so you can know God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And this Jesus is praying for you before the Father while the Holy Spirit lives within you. Paul later wrote to the Philippians and said this, Philippians 4 verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. There's an assurance, an assurance for us to live with that God loves us. This is such a profound truth. Um, You see, the book of Romans, it's it's more than a a legal exposition about the practical dimensions of our redemption. It contains romantic truth that God loves you. God's love is wonderful. It's a love that will not let us go. And nothing in all creation is ever going to separate you from his love. King's Church, we're all about making Jesus famous. King's Church, making Jesus famous. How do we do that? We do it by being loved lovers, loving others. Loved our identity. Lovers, those who engage in worship of God. Loving others, reaching out to the world around us. But the first one of those is that we are loved. We can't talk about worship. We can't talk about, about evangelism as important as it is unless we understand our identity. We're loved. You are loved by God and nothing in all creation is going to separate you from his love. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and, and let it sink into my heart. Let Romans 8, 31 to 39 sink into the, the fleshy tablet of my, not into a, a, a hard intellect, but let it sink into my heart. Let the romance of this reach me. Holy Spirit, come and let the fact that while I was still a sinner, let the fact that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. The fact, let it touch my heart. Let the fact that I've been buried with Christ and raised to new life with him, let it touch my heart. Let the fact that, 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 that I'm more than a conqueror touch my heart because it's in Christ. And I, I just want the truths that are in this wonderful, wonderful book. Paul's masterpiece, Paul's exposition of what the gospel is. Let it reach me. Let it never be said that in King's Church Central Site we worry about cultural differences. Let it be that we're all one in Christ. And be it whether we're from Ghana, Nigeria, England, Wales, France, Germany, Switzerland, wherever it is we're from, Italy. Where's Luca? 
Is he here? Our Italian. Luca, stand up. There we, we have an Italian with us. So just we'll give him a round of applause. We have an Italian. Sit down, Luca. Yeah. Just, wherever we're from, because it's about, this is the Italian, this is your week. Um, wherever we're from, Luca, we want you to know that God loves you. We want you to know that it doesn't matter that you're from Rome. Because we want what was written to Roman citizens all those years ago to get into your heart. But we want it for every one of us too. Yeah, we want it to be. We are one people. This gospel brings us together. We're not going to be anxious and be concerned. I so love this church community because people who come to this church community realize Indonesian, China, whatever it is, Malaysian, whatever it is, you realize you're coming to an international community of different cultures. This is the gospel. Look around you. This morning, this is the gospel. The gospel is not having white churches and black churches and Indonesian churches and Chinese churches. This is the gospel. It's people come together from every language, different cultures, one story, one gospel, one faith, one baptism, one Lord of all. Amen.